Welcome to Life, Love, and Everything Else, the show dedicated to giving you wisdom to help you live a better, more successful life by showing you how to make right choices in everyday life situations. Hello everyone, I'm Belise Smith, the host of Life, Love, and Everything Else. I want to thank you for tuning in and become a part of our Life Love Circle by subscribing so that you are among the first notified of all new episodes. Thank you so much for your support. Little did I know I was about to have an experience that would change the course of my life forever. This episode is the conclusion of my story. Married, yes, twice. First time, we were high school sweethearts. He was a jock, played on the high school basketball team, baseball teams. Post high school, he joined the Air Force and was a IT major. We had a lot in common. We were born same year, same month, four days apart. He was very smart in technical numbers. I was very smart with more of financial numbers. So we had a had a whole lot in common and we were best friends. With his technical knowledge, he majored in IT and I majored in the accounting field. He was a great provider, great protector. Bought our first home at the age of 21. Very progressive. So you may think, hmm, with all of that in common, what happened? Well, I will share that in the lessons learned. Second time, married a up-and-coming preacher. In hindsight, what I learned from these experiences was that two very important things that people will ever do in their life that does not come with instruction manuals are how to have successful marriages and parenting, two of the most important experiences that anybody can go through because they are contributors to society. The lessons learned was that It is so important, so important to have really, really good marital advice and mentorship and help in these areas for, I would say, before getting married, because there are a lot of untalked about circumstances that people just assume that people don't think about that is a big deal 
that eventually becomes sometimes the things that actually tear marriages apart. What I took away from these experiences that I would say even the proper coaching in how to be married and how to have a successful marriage, especially when you're young. Because technically, when you're young, when people are young and they get married, you have to think about being young, and usually they've dated for a, a little while, there's a tendency to still have that boyfriend, girlfriend mentality. And hard times come up. You know, you all have your separate dwelling places. They have that space, which becomes like a cooling off time. And the old saying, loneliness makes the heart grow fonder. That's what that can do. Having that space to where you can have some cooling off time or and to reflect or have an opportunity to miss that person and then come back together and um, have an opportunity to appreciate each other. But when you're married and you're young and you haven't learned and you haven't fully matured and you haven't learned how to go through those things and when there is a disagreement, there is no going to, to his separate home and and the, the, the female goes to her separate home, you're stuck right there together in the same household. And then especially when if you when you bring children in and you're young, then you're so busy working and taking care of a household and seeing about the children, paying bills and all of the cares of life are on that young couple. And when disagreements come up and they don't have that older wisdom kind of guiding them through these things and there is no space for cooling off, no separation time to make the heart grow loneliness, making the heart grow fonder, that is a catalyst for things building up, resentment, things getting all cloudy and you just can't see your way through. And then the ultimate thing happens is that you go your separate ways because of a lot of times because of lack of maturity. So that is a number one thing that I would uh, say is an issue when especially when the couples, when the couple is very young and in any marriage. I think it's highly important that people, if at all possible, have an older, wiser, successfully, happily married people guiding the way, helping them to maneuver through some of the stumbling blocks, you know, obstacles and misunderstandings. That, so that it would be a major help. What I also discovered that is very important that nobody told me about, but that now I know to pass on this wisdom. Well, this situation 
gave me the experience of wisdom to pass on to somebody else is that I would highly, highly recommend find out who is the voice of influence in that person's life. I'm going to say that again. Find out who is the voice of influence in that person's life because that was a catalyst in my situation and I've seen it in numerous times over and over and over again be a major factor when there is a problem in the marriage because whoever is the influence to each of the mates will have an influence over that household. The household will be ran more in line with that voice of influence. And so if the other spouse, if one spouse uh, is is in contrast to the advice, to the voice of influence of their mate, that is an instant calamity instant calamity so I would suggest that before you make a commitment in marriage to marry someone and find out who the who their voice of influence is who is it that they listen to who is it that they get advice from who is it that is maybe a mentor and see if you align with whoever their voice of influence is Because the bottom line is the voice of influence should be beneficial for both of you all. Neither one, neither neither person should have contrast voice of influences. Because you've got two different people saying two different things. And that is a recipe for division. And then division equals failed marriages. So that is something that's highly important. And the third lesson learned from these experiences was the importance of being equally yoked. And we hear that, but sometimes it's not broken down in a way that we think is a big deal. But it is a big deal. In the first in 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 my first marriage, with all of those compatibilities The one thing that we did not, that we were unequally yoked in, was our faith. Being young and not knowing and being young and just thinking that love was enough, love and friendship and compatibility was enough, it turned out not to be enough. I came from a family of believers. He came, the first marriage, he came from a family that didn't put emphasis on that. Uh, That became an issue eventually in our marriage when I and the children would go to church and he wouldn't. He just wasn't used to doing it. He went, you know, a few times, but that wasn't the thing. And so, and my belief is that if God is not in it, uh, anything could happen. Because the the people will not be on one accord 
because when situations come up, spirits are, will collide because you won't understand and see things the same way. And with the second marriage, even though he was a, a minister, a preacher, and by the time I married him, I was also heavily into the ministry. So you would think that was a big factor in seeming to be equally yoked in that. Whereas in the first marriage, I was with someone that wasn't into serving God. And then the second time, here was a man that was practicing serving God. And the issue that became clear was that outside of our belief in God, we had nothing else in common. We didn't see eye to eye on really anything. And these things were discovered after the marriage because, uh, you know, sometimes people put on their good face and you don't, uh, because we had a very short courtship and it wasn't enough time to have different things to come up to rightly discern in getting to really know the full person of each other. So long story short, we had nothing else in common outside uh, in our belief systems in marriage, parenting, careers, expectations in relationships, friendship, taking time out to have fun together. He did not think those things were important. And that became an issue. So in all of that, being equally yoked, you have to look at things across the board, not just one area, but across the board. How do you, what do you think about, you know, everything? Talk about everything. And people should make sure they have something in common when it comes to rest, relaxation, having fun, nurturing that relationship as a couple is highly important in keeping that bond and that unity, that connection with each other as it is supposed to grow over the years. Because you still, in the beginning, you may have what you think is love bringing you together, but what will hold you together eventually is feeling more connected to that person and growing together and becoming seasoned together. And I had an example of that through my parents who were together a very, very long time, very long time. In being married, it is important that being equally yoked in all things, not just the things that, not just the serious things, but also the fun things. I really do think that sometimes it's the fun things that is the, that's part of the bonding to hold that couple together to really enjoy one another. 
being equally yoked across the board is highly important. That doesn't mean you have to, in 10 things, you have to be compatible in all of those 10 things. But you surely just can't be compatible in one thing or two things. Majority of those 10 things you need to be compatible in, and especially in the things that are really important to each other persons, you know, in the marriage. And those things should be highly respected and highly considered by the other mate. So those are the lessons that I learned in being married, and that is what I later would pass on to others. Faith. After the ending of my first marriage, little did I know I was about to have an experience that would change the course of my life forever. After the ending of my first marriage, the strangest things started to happen. Everywhere I went, it seemed like several places, on a frequent basis, I would run into people that kept inviting me to a particular church. I mean, I would be at the grocery store, at the gas station, at the mall. I mean, just just weird. Just it seemed like just unusual, unusual. Um, this just seemed unusual because it happened. We know about people, um, you know, evangelizing and, and or telling people or inviting people to come to their church, but repeatedly, back to back to back, until it became, to be honest, became kind of a nuisance, because, you know, I was thinking, oh my goodness, what is going on? I keep running into people telling me to come to this particular church, and, you know, and, and I was brought up in faith, so I was used to going to church. It was almost like, okay, God, um, what is going on? And the thing about it was, what was so unusual, you know, it struck me unusual at that time, was that uh, it would be different ethnicities, all different, all different ethnicities approaching me, you know, inviting me to this church, all, you know, nice people and everything, but the fact that it was every, you know, so frequent when I would go places to invite me. So finally it was like, okay, God. So it was almost like I was about to have a showdown with God. I'll go to this church just so that they can leave me alone. Basically, that's how I felt. So I can stop running into these people. If I go to this church, you'll let them leave me alone. Because it's not that I don't know it's not that I don't know you, Lord. So, you know, almost like a dare. I said, I'm going to this church and I'm going to see what's going on. So I attended a service and then it was like, hmm, something different from what I had experienced. And then one service, hmm, I guess I'll come back to another one. I'll just see. And then another service and then another service. And then before long, I... I was just in love with that church for the first time in my life in going to church that I would start taking a Bible to church and actually opening the Bible to 
read along with the scriptures that the pastor was teaching from. This is where God led me to this church because this is where I would begin to know God for who he is and have and truly have a personal relationship. Like I said, I was raised to know about God. We pray. There was a Bible in every one of my family members' house. The traditional, you know, in the traditional way, there was always a Bible somewhere in that house, in the living room, either on the coffee table or a side table, usually that you dust off because it was pretty much for show. To show, I guess, this is how I grew up. To show that we were believers, but nobody actually opened the Bible to read it. You know, pretty Bibles, big pretty Bibles with gold uh, gold trimming and all that. But this would be the first time in my life that I would actually study the Bible as if I was in college. The services were set up as if you were in Bible college. And because I'm such an avid reader and I and I love reading, that type of atmosphere just fed my soul, my spirit. But it was at this church that I would begin my personal relationship with God, knowing who he is, and for the first time in my life, read the Bible from beginning to end and through the course throughout the course of my life would read it more than once and actually study the Bible and actually um, get the other Bible study reference books and all of that also at this church would be where I would find out what my purpose in life would be why I was put here on this earth And with that personal relationship with God, it changed the way I lived, the way I thought, the way I saw things in life, the decisions I would make. It changed my life forever. I became very active in the church, served in different capacities for as prayer and counseling with people. And as time went on, I would... Later on, create a nonprofit organization that would be a ministry for women and children where we helped, and especially single mothers. And because of the ministry work that I was doing in the community, I would later be approached to become an ordained minister, which I didn't want to. Later, I agreed to become ordained, and it did actually help in certain situations in running my organization and helping others. So that experience, the experience of being, uh, I guess, evangelized through this church changed the course of my life because that is when I learned about having a spiritual purpose in this have that I was not just here to 
just live the way I wanted to, but I was put here for a specific reason, and God showed me plainly what that reason was and what I what He created me to do here on this earth. So going to that church actually changed my life, led me into ministry, led me into into becoming avid reader and studying the word and serving in ministerial capacities, starting a nonprofit organization that impacted the lives of many people and becoming an ordained minister. Go figure. Never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought when I was younger and coming up and had my idea of what I would uh, do with my life. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think about being a minister, ministering to people, starting nonprofit or starting a nonprofit. None of that. None of that. My life thought was about having a family, having a career, raising children, you know, being married and all that. That's what I thought. But God had a different plan. Career. The last thing I'd like to share about my story is my career, how I earned my living. Post high school, I majored in accounting, as I stated in the marriage segment, was start out working for the government. I left the government and went to work in the private sector, worked for several Fortune 500 companies, and I would work for, so I worked for corporate for several years, and then eventually I would branch out and start my own accounting business. And it was during the time that I had my own business that, as I stated, in my faith segment of, of my story, I also had a nonprofit organization that was a ministry to help women and children, and we particularly focused on single mothers. Because through my research and things being brought to my attention, I discovered there, uh, there are a lot of unknown hardships that were not being addressed, that a lot of people weren't paying attention to. And one of the biggest expense that that was not being considered that a single mother or a single parent period but you know we we specialize in helping them the the single mothers was daycare in order to have to to put their children in more than adequate daycare could be very expensive daycare could be just as expensive as a car payment or even housing and that was something that was skirting under the radar. So one of the things we, uh, one of the things my organization became known for was working with daycares to help those who had gotten behind in their daycare payments. And we would come in certain times of the year and catch those payments up. Uh, that would free up monies for those women, you know. And we would do it probably around uh, going back to school time during holiday times because then that would free up their monies to be able to enjoy their holidays and to be able to put monies in other parts of their household, whatever they needed. 
Uh, we did many other things in the organization. We basically were like the extra, we became like that extra hand that they needed uh, from time to time. We helped with auto payments, groceries, you know, sometimes if people didn't have bus fare, just those little knickknacks that sometimes that maybe you people can get help from their families in certain cases when people don't have those options, don't have anybody they could go to. We became known for those things. And we were very successful. The main segment of single moms we dealt with were, were the working moms. And eventually we'd branch out into helping. Uh, we would take the nonprofit into homeless shelters for women and children. And we were very well received in that area as well. Well, I've come to the end of sharing my story. I hope to share more about who I am and the things that I care about and how God is using me and this podcast basically to be here as a beacon of light for the different topics that I talk about because I love to talk about things that deal with real life experiences. I think it is so important nowadays because of the things that we see going on in our current society. And I'm talking worldwide. There are so many issues, but there seems to be a a lack of people having a sense of direction nowadays. There are so many issues that people are dealing with and they just don't have anybody to go to. Everybody is not in a church building sometimes. People have uh, gotten turned off by the church. They, they've had some negative experiences. You know, we have to also remember that every minister is not in a pulpit. God is using people in all capacities to be that beacon of light to people that they come in contact with. We have ministers that are in business, medicine, um, military, Wherever God can use somebody, we have these people in these different capacities, I believe, all over the world. So I use this podcast. God led me to start this podcast to talk on real life issues that I come across that I think is uh, needed to be able to share some light, some understanding, wisdom on these different topics and to give some guidance on what to do. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Life, Love, and Everything Else.